0: you're about to listen to Brittle Star's Really Great Podcast. The Really Great Podcast is fueled by our well-caffeinated friends at Club Coffee. It's, a, it's kind of a misnomer because there's no actual club to join. They just they make, like, they, they make coffee. There's no club. So don't, don't get your hopes up. They make delicious compostable coffee pods that you can find at retailers across Canada, like Loblaws, Amazon, and Costco. And they're Canadian too, eh? If you're not into coffee... Sorry. Today, we're talking to.
1: Uh, my name is Andrew Fung. I am an actor, comedian, and improviser, and I'm starring in a new series called Run the Burbs on CBC and streaming on CBC Gem.
0: It's exciting. It's like we've it got a bona fide, bona fide star right here. This is very exciting.
1: Well, you got two. We got, you got you. You're well, I didn't
0: want... I was really just... That's every now and then I'll do that. You'll notice through the course of the conversation, I will just drop lines in the water for you to uh, give me some sort of compliment. And that's yeah. how I usually do it. I set you up with a compliment, but a lighter compliment in the hopes that you'll feed it back to me.
1: Oh, okay. Great. Good to know. Yeah. That's That was also your approach in, in the dating world.
0: <laughs> that's totally it. That's totally yeah. it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Wow. You look like you couldn't do better than me. And then my And then Shannon said... You know, you look like you couldn't do better than me. So we were a match made in heaven.
1: You, you're a match made in heaven. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited. I, you know, I, we've been following each other on social media for a few years now, and it's so nice yeah. to finally connect with you.
0: It is. It's really great because it's. I mean, I've been, you know, a fan obviously from Kim's, and then watching you on the Beaverton and all that kind of stuff, and it's super fun. Like you're just such a talented guy um and just i remember watching you from the first sort of get-go and realizing okay this guy's like he's he's not just like showing up and doing the part like he's bringing his own flavor to it and but what's interesting though what i I find really interesting about you is that uh like you went to university but not for drama or acting or anything like that did you what you were like economics
1: or something yeah i went to university of calgary to for a degree in economics and uh a focus in oil and gas and a minor in business No
0: way. Really?
1: Yeah. yeah. wow that was my world. I I and I and I, I quite enjoyed the the theory of economics. I really enjoyed yeah. it. it. It just it, 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 the the real world the real world didn't really live up to me cuz like I remember like I graduated university thinking I was going to work downtown and it just wasn't my vibe. I just wasn't built for that life. And the whole time ever since I was 16, I was doing improv at the loose Smooth Theater Company on Fridays and Saturdays. And that was really what I loved doing more. And so my my career kind of always went to that. And so I, I ended up working in the nonprofit sector as a program director of an organization that I'm really proud of and passionate about. And because I loved my job, it was also a job that gave me a lot of flexibility. And so it right. let me take improv classes and do shows and take on kind of any acting work. I could take a random day off to go audition or or do do a thing or do a short film or something like that. And so uh yeah, but I got a degree in economics. And the, the one thing I do take away is I ran, I ran my my business like I I ran my acting like I run a business. Right. So like when I quit my job in uh, in 2012, I opened this, I had this Excel file where it would track every month how much I was making at a job. And it would be like, this is what you made, take home two paychecks a month. This is what you made in the role before of like how much you made acting. And uh, I would I would work so hard to get to match those numbers or to get higher. And that was the thing for me. If there was a period where I was going under my salary, I'd have to reevaluate my my decision. And I'm really proud to say that I never went under that number. There was one month I was 50 bucks under and I went out (laughs) and I hustled that last 50 bucks. Um, And I still use that Excel file until today. I still have a version of it where I track. Yeah. Wow. That's like
0: either really smart or like an insecurity. It's like, it's it's suggesting there's problems there.
1: Well, I deleted the row that had a job salary. I oh, that's that good. That, that's so now good. it's just, it just tracks my income for the year, which is good decision making because you need to know numbers. Like I find the sure. more I've become a business, the more numbers I have to have and be aware of. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It, it took the creative industry, the creative sector, and it put it into a tangible form that I could digest.
0: Right. Right.
1: So when you're acting and you're having fun and you're loving it, my big fear was, well, am I able to live? Can I pay for things? And so that really bridged those worlds together.
0: So that's very interesting because, I mean, that's such a, a, like for me, I I came at it with a, uh, like a parental view, meaning my parents, I was really into music and Mm -hmm. my, my parents were like, you're great. We love you. We support you, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. Uh, But how's this going to make money? And so I would like. I remember when I was 19, uh, I was like, OK, well, I'm going to start doing radio jingles. That's what I'm going to start. Because then I can make music, I can have my little studio, and I can do jingles and all that kind of stuff. And it makes money. Um, but you, like you, I, and I appreciate the business aspect, because I really approach the arts the same way. Like it's kind, of, it's kind of been ingrained in me, probably just beaten out of me when I was a kid from my parents, of like that idea of everything's a trade everything you're you're creating something or making something or or giving a service and how do you turn that into a commodity how do you how do you sell that um but yours is like were your were your parents like like did you want to do acting when you were a kid and your parents were like no go into economics and you're in alberta so go into oil and gas
1: yeah go get an oil and gas before it goes away and then comes <laughs> back for a bit and then goes away again <laughs> but then might come back like you go into a real stable sector. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have an amazing
0: career for at least thirty-ish years, maybe
1: thirty-ish years. Squander all your savings. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I actually need to write that down. I need to write that down. There's, <laughs> there's something there. I was like a father sitting <laughs> down with his son, being like, "Son, I really want you to get into oil and gas." It's like, Dad, I feel like I feel like there's no, no. You got a solid thirty years. Um. My parent, my obviously, the, there's the Asian trope of my mom and dad wanting me, me to be a doctor, an engineer, or a lawyer. And I do remember when I told my mom I was going to economics, she was a bit bummed. But then my dad was like, "Well, he's going to be a businessman,
0: right? Right?"
1: And um, from that point forward, they kind of just like let me do my th- as long as I was in school and I yeah. checked off the boxes of like doing okay, they were fine with it and. Every Friday and Saturday, I was going down to Loose Moose Theater to do improv. And so they didn't see me do improv until I was 24, 25. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, And I never invited them out. And then when I did, by this point, I started when I was 16. So now they're seeing a version of Andrew who's like seven years into the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're
1: seeing a much better version of me as a performer. And was that um, by design?
0: Like did you decide like okay, don't don't tell mom and dad what I'm doing until that point?
1: It's not that I told my mom and dad. I didn't tell my mom and dad. It's just that I didn't really bring them on. I didn't I didn't I didn't like force it upon them. Right. And they knew I was going doing improv, but it was free. There's no barrier, there's no cost to entry. Yeah. I was doing on my own. I was doing well in school. I graduated university. They they were cool with it. Yeah. I got a job, you know, I I was kind of doing all these really good things. I, I was, um, but then at Loose Moose, I was like starting to get like a little bit of reputation, a little bit of a following. People were coming out to my shows. Um, I got asked to play in the senior company, right. uh, which was like a big deal because you know when I started doing improv, I never thought I had a, a chance in hell to join the the upper echelon of the performers of the theater there. Um, because you know, thing like Bruce McCullough, Mark McKinney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. North Ryan Belleville, they came out mm-hmm. of loose schools. Like there was a, a history of really strong performers. Uh, I didn't think I was going to be part of that group. And then I invited them out to one of my shows. It was sold out, hot house. Like,
0: right. Energy. Lots of house. energy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Lots of energy. It was like me and four other performers. And I included them. I, I put the spotlight on them. I interviewed my parents for the, some scenes on stage. I got the audience to wave at my parents. They felt like rock stars. And I think because I took that route, I included them in the, on the journey, but at a point where I was comfortable showing them my work. They didn't see a str- struggling artist. They saw someone who just was like really comfortable who he was. And I was like making a living as a, yes. as a nonprofit director. So they were really supportive. And, and when I was like 27, 28, 29, they were really encouraging me to pursue this as like a full-time thing because I think they saw I was doing re- really well with it. And they saw that I was making some money doing it. Um, I, I, I was hosting the Calgary Stampede. I, yeah. I was doing a ton of corporate events. That was like a big thing for me, corporate events, hosting. Um, so they saw that it wasn't just the improv. It was expanding to other places.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? So that sounds like your parents aren't very far off Scottish parents, because my I think that they were probably just swayed by the fact that you had this uh, – popularity and fame and they got recognized as doing a good thing by just having you, you know, that <laughs> idea of you getting everyone to wave to your parents while you're on stage. I think my parents were much the same. It's like, you know, they were, they were sort of thinking, well, we'll see how this goes. We'll see how it goes. Well, this music thing. No, no, no. The video thing. We'll see how it goes. Oh, what? You've been invited to the white house. That's our boy. That's our boy. Yeah. He loves these fantastic they're
1: to take credit when you they're there to take credit when you succeed and they're there to put blame on you. when you fail.
0: <laughs> well, that's what you do as a parent though. I mean, that's yeah. what you're supposed to do. That is your job as a parent is to accept, you know, the congratulations and the credit and then knock down. Well, I mean, that's interesting. It's, it's, uh uh, I, I, I hadn't sort of realized that you'd really quantified like had that sort of approach because it's very different from act, most actors that I've spoken to. Would you consider yourself an actor or a comedian?
1: Now I'm an actor. Yeah. Then I was a comedian.
0: See, I find it, and what's the difference to you? Like, cause I mean, I know, I, I can, we can easily sort of say, well, you're not doing stand up or you are doing whatever, as much or whatever, a balance. But I find it odd when people say to me, well, we're going to list you as a comedian. And I think I'm not a comedian. I'm not a, it's
1: yeah it it, it, it is it is a tricky balance i think it's like when you're when your work is solely to make people laugh right um i think you're in you're in a comedy space and for a Mm -hmm. long time my work was there solely to make people laugh but i transitioned Mm -hmm. into actor i felt like around season two of kim's as i got bigger arcs that were yeah more narrative based and i felt like at that point now i'm an actor um and I have, I have no shame or regrets for any of them. I, I, will be a comedian one day and actor another day, but I think yeah. it's just like different days, you're different hats. Like, look, I know you, man. One day you're an editor.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, one day totally. you're a
1: writer. One mm-hmm. day you're, you're doing audio. Like, and you know, like you're just like, Oh, wh- what's up with this take? What's up with the wind? You know, yeah. like every, every, and that's, that's the nature of being, I think at the end of the day, we're creative. Yeah. And when you're creative, you have to wear a lot of different hats.
0: I think that's more true now than ever before, of course, and certainly because you know I made a joke before we started saying what the, you've heard of kitchen sink production level. This is like whatever the step lower is for this particular podcast, <laughs> uh, but um, it's you know now you're kind of expected as as a as someone who's a creative, as you said, to know how to do all that stuff. Like you, you don't, very few people have the luxury to kind of walk in and go, "I'm just the actor." you know, I'm just going to do this now. And it's like, well, no, you're not. You're going to have to learn all that stuff. So how hands on. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about your, uh, about the show that's starting in uh, really soon in January. And, um, if not already, by the time you're listening to this and uh, called run the burbs and that's super exciting. Is this, I mean, it's, it sounds like it was a real hands-on thing for you. Like you were really focused and really involved in every part of it.
1: Yeah, I was involved in every part of it. Like, I was like, I'm the co-creator of it. I mm-hmm. Scott Town and my best friend and I developed the show. We brought it to peer 21. They put it into uh, development. Uh, and then we brought it to CBC and then mm-hmm. they put it into development. And so I've been involved in every step of the way. Like the writing was big and the producing, the writing, the producing, the casting, the, 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 the directors, every member of our crew, um, wardrobe, um, how does the show look, the tone, the color, the feel, the, the music, all those things. Um, I've been involved in every step. So my days before as an actor, on Kim's Convenience, I would arrive to set, I would go sit, wait in my dressing room, they'd call me, I'd go to set, shoot part of the scene, come out, sit in a chair, mess around, go on social media, go back and shoot more of it. Now it was arrive to set, answer any questions from, uh, from from department heads, go in, get ready, get hair and makeup, while I'm doing hair and makeup, learning lines, go on a set, start blocking a scene. When they're setting up, I go out, I meet with the producers, or I'm writing, or I'm emailing, or I'm giving feedback on scripts, or I'm giving feedback on cuts. Every minute of every day, I was doing something
2: mm-hmm. for
1: three months while shooting, and then the six months beforehand, writing, and then pre-production. And then now, it's the same with post-production. I'm, in, I'm looking at editor cuts. I'm giving feedback on cuts. I'm sitting with the composer. I'm sitting looking at music. I'm doing ADR as a performer. I'm in the mix suite getting all levels right. So I'm involved in every aspect of the show. And that's very exciting because that's the dream. The dream, the dream for me was to, uh, you know, make a TV show, to tell the story, to, to, um, to engage with audiences, to make, to tell relatable stories. And this is it. How many, ah, not many people get a chance to do this. So I'm, I'm, working my butt off to make it the best show possible.
0: That's fantastic. I mean, it's so exciting, especially, you know, working with your friend, Scott, is that right? And, um, and how long have you known him?
1: So we started making short films together. Firstly, you and Scott would get along real well because he is a, he (laughs) plays guitar, piano, great singer. He's a musician, but he's also like a filmmaker. Right. You would get along real well with him. Him and I started making shorts together in 2009 start making oh, these wow. comedic shorts. Yeah. Have you ever done like a 48 hour film challenge?
0: I'm aware of them. I've never done yeah. them because I don't have that kind of discipline.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so they're 48 hour film. Well, basically all your films are 48 hour film challenges. I would 48, argue, minutes. Like, 48, 48, 48 minutes, 48 minutes. And then I lose,
0: and then I lose interest right after that.
1: <laughs> so we would do this 48 hour film challenge and, and it was like a bunch of friends. It was like my group of friends that I went to high school with and some that I had done improv with. And then he had gone to a film school at SAIT in Alberta and he had a group of friends and they knew each other. So we all kind of like this group together. We just make short films together, short comedies for the 48 hour film challenge. And no matter the genre we were given, we would always make a comedy. We would <laughs> always make it into a comedy. Even if it was a horror, it was going to be a comedy. Um, and so uh, that's how we connected. And, and him and I just like stayed really tight. And and we would kind of always, like, he would always bring me on for corporate gigs he was shooting. So yeah. till this day, every year he did a lot of films for the university of alberta and every day at the beginning of a semester i get messages from people being like hey i just saw you in a anti-plagiarism video (laughs) there's a video of me telling you what's a cool and not cool about plagiarism every year there's like 20 messages yo i just saw kimchi in this anti-plagiarism video
0: (laughs) i mean you have to do what you have to do that's all right but all the stuff you're mentioning about Run the birds and how you're so involved in doing, uh, you know, in so many parts of it, all parts of it, compared to just showing up and 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 acting. I mean, it sounds like it's a lot of work, but did you do you like that better than just showing up? Or would you be like, you know what, that was fun, but I'd like to just go back to showing up?
1: Well, the the, the interesting thing is that I think that the acting portion is like, I love it so much and so you know uh when an actor performs they put so much into it i think this would have been really hard for me if i didn't have had had five years on kim's Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. five
1: years on kim's was the greatest best boot camp ever in being an actor because it was like showing up but then when you work with paul and nicole and and and, Simu and, 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 and the cast, it's like, you are just held, like you're made a better performer. I was better with lines. I was better with comedy. I was better being in the moment. I use my time better. So that experience made me prepared for this because I had so little time to, to act like prepare mm-hmm. for acting. I just had to automatically be in the moment and in the zone. Mm-hmm. i'm so thankful for all the opportunities i'm so thankful for really good directors to work with me but my time was limited so um i don't know if 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 necessarily one is better than the other i think for me it was just a new challenge that i really wanted and i just wanted on top of my acting muscles i wanted writing muscles and i wanted producing muscles and i wanted muscles in like helping to direct and shape a scene acting is still the love the first love that i oh, want and yeah. love and and, and Everything I do will be to support my acting, but all these new skills are pretty fantastic. And, and, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm so happy with it, but it'll be nice. It'll be nice going to another project and being and having an acting role. But at the same time, I'm a better actor now having been through all this.
0: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back just slightly to, uh, when you were growing up. Did you have, like, when you were a little kid, were you, like, trying to make people laugh? Were you trying to act? Were you doing, like, school plays and stuff like that? Were you doing all that stuff?
1: No school plays. Um, no. No, no, because I, was, I think I was too cool. Like, I had some friends that were in school right. plays, but I was like... That's, ah, God, that's a, hum- that's a bit
0: of a brag. That's a bit of a brag. <laughs> I think I was too cool. I would have suffered my from mind, my art.
1: I was too cool. <laughs> I would have suffered
0: from my art, but I was too cool. So I just bypassed well, that whole bit. I, I
1: think it's like... I, I, you know, now that you now you call me out on it, I need to feel terrible. <laughs> but it's not that. I think I think it's because I felt like I felt like I wasn't I wasn't an actor. Like those, right. Those, yeah. Those yeah. people were like they sure. wore vintage clothing and they were really yeah. really cool in a certain in their way. Like yeah. In like that hipster kind of way, and I wasn't that. I was like into like mainstream Diesel jeans and like I loved working at the mall and getting a mall discount. It just wasn't my vibe, but and I re- that's one regret. I wish I had done a play because I think it really, yeah, I think it's like, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't necessarily gain, like, I take it back. It's a regret, but I wouldn't change it. I, right. I, I just wish I, I was able to do both. You know, it's yeah. like, I said, this to someone recently. I said, I will always be bummed. I didn't get a chance to do a second city main stage.
2: Oh
0: yeah. You know? Well, yeah, sure.
1: And, and it's, it's not that, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have not done the other things, but to have done a second city main stage and to have been a part of the writing process, to do a show six times yeah. a week would have just been a really cool thing, I think, for me. With that said, I, I don't know what I would, else I would have sacrificed. So with, with high school, is the same thing. I would have loved to have done a play. But I also, for me, working at the mall actually made me the person I am, like, personality-wise and right. like, salesmanship-wise.
0: Where'd you work at the mall? Bootlegger. That Bootlegger. Nice.
1: Bootlegger, man. Bootlegger,
0: um, diesel jeans. God, it just—it's like an Alberta origin story.
1: That's my Alberta. Working in oil and gas. His destiny was to work in oil and gas.
0: But <laughs> for one a brief. Day. For a brief time, until the industry collapsed.
1: <laughs> until the industry collapsed, but <laughs> might come back.
0: <laughs> Maybe could. It could.
1: Always, always. <laughs>
0: um I want to talk about uh, a not so dirty little secret of yours which is on full display behind you well actually there's more there's I'm looking at a lot there's a lot to take in behind you yeah it's it's there's so first of all I hadn't realized I kind of I kind of knew and you're one of few people that I know that are really into sneakers um and it looks like it's verging on a sickness for you um how many pairs of sneakers do you have
1: Oh, it's a sickness. It's not verging on a sickness. This is a full blown sickness because there's a second wall right
0: here. Oh
1: my god! And there's a second wall. Um, So I only show the one wall. (laughs) Good. Um, Yeah, because you might be committed. Maybe there's like 400 pairs.
0: No, because these aren't like 10 bucks a pair.
1: No, no, they're not. You don't want. You don't want to know. What? No, don't
0: tell me. I don't want people to like rob your home if we find out how most valuable pair you have, but. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, there's insurance on th- on this thing. I like, I've had to go out and do that. But yeah, there's like, I, I I've been really good about like I try to always buy my shoes for retail, or I try to win shoes and like raffles and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> still, or I'll trade up for shoes. Still, you still do that? Um, so like with raffles, like sometimes like if someone's like, oh, I'm I'm auctioning off like a a Yeezy, a nice yeah. Yeezy too that's like a $7,000 sneaker. So I'll put in like 20 bucks to try to win the sure. shoe.
0: Yeah, why not? Yeah. Um,
1: but uh, I try to always get my shoes at retail. And then I try to trade my way up. So like I have like the 400 also includes maybe like 60 that are in a vault. And the vault is a place. No, that, like, no, no, on.
0: no, no, no. Wait, 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 wait.
1: Yeah. A vault? Yeah, the vault is, is like it's a closet. Uh-huh. It's a couple closets and a shelf. And it's basically shoes that like either are doubles or shoes that I have decided I'm not, they're not for me, I'm not going to wear, but they have a certain value. So I put them in the vault, hoping they accumulate value. And then at some point I flip them or trade them for a, a higher price shoe.
0: So the vault isn't necessarily for security's sake. It's more for you not getting emotionally connected to these shoes so you can't see them all the time
1: yes that's that's it that's the ball yeah
0: that's not right yeah. andrew that's not they, right they gain
1: value it's my stock market they, it's my cryptocurrency <laughs> they gain value and then i flip it
0: i, I how, have you always been into sneakers is it something that just happened like when you had to move to toronto and you're like well i better get into toronto stuff i can't do diesel jeans anymore
1: i like that i like that sneakers is a toronto thing because sneakers is a is an well, everywhere thing And that's, that's the origin because I, whenever I would travel with my buddies, you know, you're like 18, 19, you go to a trip to to Edmonton or wherever. I never drank alcohol. So we, you know, we'd end up at a bar or club and they drop like a hundred bucks drinking beers. I saved that money. So the next day I'd always go to like a cool sneaker store right? and I'd buy like a pair of sneakers. That was like my sneakers I got from Edmonton, my sneakers I got from Vancouver. And it became a thing. And then when I started doing improv more and more, cool sneakers was like kind of my jam on stage.
0: Right. Right.
1: Um, it was a bit of like my calling card. It's a bit of like my persona and energy. And then years later, I heard Jason Sudeikis talk about a po- talk on a podcast about how sne- he loved wearing sneakers. And if you notice, Jason's a huge sneakerhead. head. Yeah. And he loved wearing them because they got him out of his head and it, it right. grounded him as a performer and it kind of connected to me. And so I started wearing really fresh kicks on stage and you kind of track what shows have a good, what shoes have good shows in them. And then you can no. kind of wear those on like a rotation.
0: Do you like attach a little bit of karma to them or a little bit of cosmic luck to each for these certain pairs?
1: Yeah. There's certain pairs that like I've had wonderful shows in. I've toured yeah. with them. Um, I've had really good events.
0: Do you have shoes yeah. that you hate? Cause they've, they've cursed you. Do you have cursed shoes?
1: No, because I, early on, I probably got rid of those shoes. Like I either swapped them or traded them. Right. And I will say in the last seven or eight years, I, i've been so blessed you know and so maybe it's my outlook on things
0: nothing but lucky shoes
1: yeah like my whole like man come on thinking like a guy did em- economics at you <laughs> from alberta
0: listen like, I'm, I'm not knocking it
1: I'm, I'm just saying you know. like i'm not knocking it but it's like it, people be like i remember jean yoon when i first came out for kim's convenience she was there um auditioning as umma And she's like, Oh, where are you from? And she saw my, my, my personality. She's like, You're from Vancouver, Toronto. I'm like, No, I'm from Calgary. And she looked at me. She's like, Wait, you're, you're an actor and comedian from Calgary. (laughs) And she looked at me. She's like, How did you make it? How did you make it? Like, she, like, like, I I was like, I did really well. Like, you know, I had a really good support system. And so I understand that there's a, there's a, there's a, um, a narrative. People are like, oh, it's not that guy. So, like I'm living the dream, man. I'm living every moment of this.
0: That's great. Well, listen, I love that. Uh, what's slightly more disturbing, I understand the shoes thing, because I, like I said, I know a couple of people. You're one of a few people that I know that do it, and very few people. Um, but looking at the, uh, is it wrestling belts behind you? Wrestling well?
1: belts. Oh, man. Is that Sorry, before you, or after? You don't, even, you don't <laughs> even know, man. You don't even know. You don't even know, man.
0: Oh, my God. What no, but these are okay, how does one get a wrestling belt like this? Cause this this makes the sneaker thing look like an investment to me. And yeah. which I know it is. But I mean, this is now the wrestling belt thing is like you're like one of those guys like they like, hey, come back, we'll have some beers and watch the game. And then they open the door and their room's like full of like cabbage patch dolls or something. It's like, oh well, this it's is sad. a whole other side of you.
1: It's sad because like on my desk, you don't see my desk, but there's just like yeah wrestling figures (laughs) with like belts (laughs) how long have you
0: been into wrestling see that see that tracks with calgary to me that track i love calgary let it let it be known that i love calgary and i love alberta however that tracks for if someone if you said hey listen i was like oh andrew's from calgary and he loves wrestling i'd be like yep i i can see that
1: it, it, uh yeah Cal- Brett the Hitman Hart was yeah. such a big
0: oh of course yeah
1: Brett Hart but like Ed Whalen, Stampede Wrestling uh, the Hart family, Owen Hart like that was really big and so I, I, I gravitated towards wrestling because like you know like during that era of like Ultimate Warrior Hulk Hogan Bret yeah. Hart, Shawn Michaels that was really big um and it was always something that just kind of carried with me I think it, inf- it informs obviously like my take on comedy it was like very big and energetic yep. and you learn that watching these gladiators fight in squared circle, um, and then early with my wife when we were dating early in our relationship, she got me like a wrestling belt. Like she ordered online, like this really nice wrestling belt. <laughs> what? So literally, like every year, every Christmas, every holiday, I've gotten more wrestling belts, and then I ordered a bunch. I've ordered yeah. a bunch, and so for for the nerd talk, you can order them from from like WWE. Yeah, um, but those belts don't come on real leather, um, and sometimes there's like plating issues with them. So if you find a maker and the makers have gotten really good, some CNC their belts, and so I got a maker out. Uh, out
0: come on, uh, man,
1: overseas, and then you you ask for a belt and they make it. There's like all these belt. There's belt groups online that just make belts and belt trading groups. There's belt meetups. It's a whole thing. But I will say, the 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 the, the I have a very a very addictive personality right and and comedy used to be my hobby okay so that was my addiction but when comedy and acting became my job this was a thing that isn't acting that i could just sit and play with so like this figure here when we're writing scenes and we're just playing around and just like bouncing ideas sometimes i'll just sit playing with an action figure listening and that's how i work so you kind of for me it was always needing something that wasn't my job to just like get
0: away with it right it's like outside of what you are focused on so that you can yeah devote a little subconscious to what you're actually focused on well i appreciate yeah. that i mean it's yeah. still really weird it's still super weird to me
1: it, it's there's you beside my bed on my side of the bed there's like four wrestling belts and my was like Come on. they have to be there and i'm like
0: but i mean I she encouraged it though but she encouraged it when you guys were dating and, I and she, she bought blames herself i know but that's did you she... feel compelled to wear did you were you like when do i wear this like is this a is all this a romantic the, when thing? When do I
1: wear it? When don't I wear it? <laughs> it? Is, is the bigger question. I I I kept that thing with me all the time. It was in bed with me. It was like no, I it wasn't. That belt. yeah, man. Oh man. And like, if, if the thing is like, when you're into wrestling, and you get one. You got to hold one, Stuart. You got to hold one. I got to get you a brittle Star one. i yeah, I, I, I got to get you I mean, one, a yeah. custom made one, because like when you have it on your shoulder, you you will feel silly for asking these questions. <laughs>
0: I mean, you're not probably not wrong. You're probably not wrong. <laughs> I mean, I think you're probably right. Do I have to be uh, topless when I'm having it over my shoulder? You
1: can. It's up to you. Yeah. Some Will that help? Shirts on.
0: Yeah. Um, like, should I, should I trim chest hair for that? Is that that kind of thing? Is there no, anything that would no, catch you the be chest who
1: you
0: hair? You've got to be who you who are. are. That's George the, the that's... Animal Steel
1: did not change himself. You shouldn't yeah. change yourself.
0: I think if we've learned anything from wrestling, it's you've got to be who you are. That's exactly it. <laughs> I had the best, I had a, there's a, a young woman who uh, works for a, a, a thing called Playlist Live in the States. And and she's this sort of really lovely, her name's Whitney, she's demure, she's she's just the sweetest little thing, massive wrestling fan. And I I could never understand, I'd be like, I don't get it. And I said to her, what what's the deal with wrestling? Why do you like wrestling? Like, you know, you know, it's theater largely. And she said, yeah, but here's the thing. And she gave the best explanation of wrestling I've ever heard, she said, uh, you know when you go when you watch the Super Bowl or something, and it's like okay, and uh, you don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes it's an amazing game, sometimes it's a terrible game. You're like, ah, I've just wasted so many so many hours of my life for this game. With wrestling, it's a guaranteed excellent game every single time. Like you never, no one ever walks yeah. away from a wrestling match thinking, well, that was boring. That's not it. That's not it.
1: Yeah, that's a really good
0: answer. Ian isn't it though? I thought it was that's a really, really good. good
1: answer.
0: Yeah, thanks, yeah, but- thanks, Whitney.
1: There's also moments. Wrestling has moments and characters. um I will say though, as a whole, like I've had an interesting relationship with sports in the last little while because of like the injuries. <laughs> so there is like with, with wrestling, I am conscious of like what wrestlers gave to be a right. performer in that world. Sure, like, the wrestlers in yeah. the '80s and '90s, we get a concussion and keep wrestling. So now I'm like. Uh, I have a lot more respect towards it. And when performers right. are injured or hurt to come off, like I, I applaud that now. I applaud safety protocols for wrestlers because they're putting their bodies through hell. you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, full crap. I couldn't do it, that's for sure. But now I know I don't have to shave my chest. I mean, that maybe puts it back on the table for me. That's a career option.
1: I, I have a buddy out in Calgary who... Um,
0: Shaves one chest? One of my best
1: friends. No, he, he, he always wanted to do pro wrestling. And really? He, he got into boxing. He got into boxing a few years back and he took like some amateur fights and, and, and he's not a very aggressive guy, but like recently he came he's like, there's like an eight week uh, wrestling program out in Edmonton. I might move out there and do that for <laughs> I'm like, wow. Yeah? And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I'll just work. Like I'll work in the evenings and I'll just do wrestling camping today. You're like, y- like,
0: you know, you can just buy the belts, right? You should have told that. <laughs> have to him that. <laughs> you <laughs> don't have to earn them. You don't have to earn them.
1: He wanted to do it. And I was like, do it, do it man like did he and, and, no he didn't do it because i think the hours were too tough because, oh. like he didn't realize there were so many hours during the day he thought it was yeah. like half days but they were like full days and he has he said he has his own business
0: yes, um, yeah
1: yeah so so does he, he still he do that <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know it, it makes me it, it makes me happy when when my, my, my buddies are pursuing their dreams because look When I quit my job and go after comedy, someone could have been like, "Andrew, what are you doing?" Right? Yeah, for sure. We don't know, man. Maybe, maybe, maybe my buddy Derek might be the next rock. You know? Who's to say?
0: I'm ready to support. I'm ready to support. Absolutely. So, yeah, right, I'm right there with you. I think it's fantastic. People go after the dreams. Go for it. All right, I have a question for you. My question for you is this: I want you to give me a really great tip. Okay.
1: I'll tell you the tip. When people air fry things, they don't preheat long enough. I've seen some rookie air fryers only preheat. They, some don't preheat, which is wrong. And then some only preheat for like a minute, minute and a half. Now, you got to preheat. I preheat for three or four minutes because in order for the air fry to really pick up, you got to preheat it. It's like the same if you were like frying something in the oil. You wouldn't put something in cold oil. You'd get no. that thing nice and hot the yeah. same logic applies there so to all the parents out there rocking that air fryer life mm-hmm. take the extra two minutes preheat properly
0: that's good i think we're going to call this episode uh andrew fung uh chase your dreams and preheat your air fryer like that's chase, chase chase your dream Look, this is my dream dream of dreamtorium dream of uh, Dream dream it's well it's something it's it looks it's the kind of the background you have for those who are just listening and not watching this, the background you have is like when people show up in a zoom meeting and they put like one of those fake backgrounds behind them, and you're like, oh no, like get out of here. Dude,
1: I'm living the dream, man. Come on, look at look at this He's dream. Now- I got, got okay, a PKE meter here. Uh, yeah, a little bit of this. Right? I got some bust some ghosts. I got a kid like- action figure here.
0: You've got like diamond uh gold uh, diamond and gold dollar signs behind you. You've got uh Wait,
1: wait, wait. You don't know the million dollar man Ted DiBiase?
0: No, I'm afraid not.
1: <laughs> the million dollar man Ted DiBiase had a had a million dollar bounce, which was very cool. Also got this talk about Calgary? Oh yeah. <laughs> I got the Hitman shades. I'm the excellence <laughs> of execution. I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. <laughs>
0: it's uh, these are cool though. These are hella they, cool though. Look at these. They are. They are cool. I,
1: I, yeah. I often joke with my wife. I'm like, if we were on our first date and I came out and like, let's get ready to go, and I was wearing the Hitman shades, <laughs> Would you? Would you just like? except that those are my sunglasses at face value. And you'd be like, what the hell are those things? I'm like, no, these are cool.
0: They're cool. I think, we listen, she bought you that the first belt you ever had, the first belt, I mean, she was in from the get-go. You don't know. She's probably got her own collection of belts and weird sunglasses and diamond dollar signs and I think you guys are lucky. you're lucky you're lucky you found each other. Or you're super lucky. One of the two. I'm
1: very, I'm very lucky, I'm very lucky to, to be with my wife, and uh,
0: she she'll never listen to know, this Andrew. It's improv, okay. Don't worry about she, it. She'll never listen to this. she'll never hear it.
1: She was my only audience member for a lot of shows. And, oh, really?: um, Yeah, like there were shows like I did, like weird basements of venues and like yeah. Uh, there's a marathon. The city of Calgary paid the loose Moose theater Company. To do a marathon one year for Canada Day. But they put us in this really weird venue in the middle of nowhere. And we were doing improv basically from 11 p.m. till 9 a.m. They paid us. <laughs> it was on the marketing for Canada Day celebration. Yeah, yeah. They were really trying to sell that there was, there was something happening 24 hours that day. Right, okay. My wife was the only audience member for like oh, four of those God. hours.
0: Oh, my God. But then God. at like
1: four in the morning, a random group of like seven people walked in. And I was like... Sure. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. So my <laughs> wife's been there for me from the, from the get go.
0: <laughs> well, I, it's, it's nice to be a lucky uh, spouse, isn't it? Isn't it nice to yeah, sort of have someone who's, who doesn't just sort of tell you're an idiot directly to your face, at least all the time. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. occasionally. Well, listen, man,
0: it's been fantastic chatting with you. It's been so fun. And, uh, I'm, I'm not going to get into belts or sneakers, but I would accept a belt. So if you happen to find anyone who wants to give me a free one, I'll just, just it has to have my name on it though. Maybe a diamond B. It. Yeah, a diamond B or a diamond star. Okay, good. Good. I appreciate it.
1: Let's see what we can do. Let's see what we can do. In, in a way, those diamond dollar signs are diamond S's, are they not?
0: Well, exactly. I mean, but then I'd have to rebrand as Stuart. And like, that's the whole thing. I can't rebrand. It's too late now. I already started this game way too late, Andrew. It's like it yeah. started way too late. I can't get people to shift over now. They've already picked me a name, brittle star to love or to hate. And they've picked that side, and they can't. I can't expect them to change now.
1: Brittle star. I, I will say this, and I, I don't want to keep hammering over pro wrestling. But <laughs> um, there was a wrestler for a long time. His name was uh, Isaac Yankum. DDS. Was a dentist. Then he became uh, Fake Diesel, and then finally he became Kane. And he was Kane for about twenty five years. He's still Kane. He's also the mayor now of a of a county somewhere in the U.S. <laughs> wow! So, if the actor, if the wrestler who played Kane is a is a, it could be an inspiration, is that you can have a few different character changes?
0: This beforehand. oh well, if I, maybe I just have to do that. I have to listen to your advice, and maybe I could be Vistler like this
1: wrestler right here. Yeah, was stunning Steve Austin. Yeah, and who do we know him now as? I don't Stone know. Hold Steve Austin.
0: Oh, it's the same guy.
1: Same guy. He had hair back then.
0: Oh. Yeah, uh, he's, it's menacing because he's on the big screen right now. Yeah. Don't lift him higher.
1: <laughs> you're like you're like you're like a child. Like a child. <laughs> can we just can we discuss the nuances of professional wrestling like respectable human beings? <laughs> Please have some class. <laughs> this is an Arby's, sir. <laughs>
0: Thanks so much for hanging out, man. I really appreciate it. And I hope uh, everything goes well. I'm sure everything will go great with Run, Run the Burbs. It'll be amazing. It's super exciting to have you back on television. And uh, we missed you. so. And it's nice to have you back on my television right now, too. So.
1: Hey, pumped to be here. Happy to be here. and I'm excited for audiences to see the show. Thanks, man. Thank you.
0: The Really Great Podcast is fueled by our well-caffeinated friends at Club Coffee. Don't get too excited because there's no actual club to join. It's just a weird name. I don't know why they chose that name, but they did, and they're called Club Coffee. The good news is they make delicious compostable coffee pods. You can find it at retailers across Canada, like Loblaws, Amazon, and Costco. If you're not into coffee, sorry. Oh, and they're Canadian too, eh?